Chapter Eleven of the Temptation of Saint Anthony by Gustav Flaubert, translated by Lacadio Herm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tony Addison. Nothing is now visible. The darkness is complete. Only that from the eyes of Hilarion escape two flashes, two rays of lurid light. Antony begins at last to notice his immense stature. Already several times while thou wert speaking, it seemed to me thou wert growing taller, and it was no illusion. How? Explain to me. Thy aspect terrifies me. Footsteps are heard approaching. What is that? Hilarion extending his arm look then under a pale beam of moonlight antony distinguishes an interminable caravan defiling over the summit of the rocks and each voyager one after the other falls from the cliff into the gulf below first comes the three great gods of samoth's race Axiaros, Axiokeros, Axiokersa, united together as in a fascia, purple masked, all with hands uplifted. Aesculapius advances with a melancholy air, not even perceiving Semos and Telesphoros, who question him with gestures of anguish. Iliam, Sozipolis, of python form, rolls his coils toward the abyss. Dozipoina becomes dizzy, leaps in of her own accord. Britomatis, shrieking with fear, clutches fast the meshes of her net. The centaurs come at a wild gallop and roll pell-mell into the black gulf. Behind them, all limping, advance the bands of the morning nymphs. Those of the meadows are covered with dust. Those of the woods moan and bleed, wounded by the axes of the woodcutters. The Jaludes, the Strigii, the Empusai, all the infernal goddesses form one pyramid of blended fangs vipers and torches and seated upon a vulture skin at its summit urinome blue as the flies that corrupt meat devours her own arms then in one great whirl simultaneously disappear the bloody orthia hymena of orchomenus the lapria of the patraeans aphia of agina Bendis of Thrace, Stymphalia with thighs like a bird's. Triopos, in lieu of three eyes, has now but three empty orbits. Erictonius, his legs paralyzed, crawls upon his hands like a cripple. Hilarion, what a pleasure is it not to see them all in the abjection of their death agony? Climb up here beside me on this rock, 
and thou shalt be even as Xerxes, reviewing his army. Beyond there, very far, dost thou behold that fair-bearded giant, who even now lets fall his sword crimsoned with blood? Uh, that is the Scythian Zalmoxus, between two planets, Artimpasa, Venus, and Orsiloke, the moon. Still further away, now emerging from pallid clouds, are the gods whom the Cimmerians adore, even beyond Thule. Their huge halls were warm, and by the gleam of swords that tapestried the vault, they drank their hydra milk from horns of ivory. They ate the liver of the whale in dishes of brass, wrought by the hammers of demons. Or betimes they listened to captive sorcerers whose fingers played upon harps of stone. They are feeble, they are cold, the snow makes heavy their bearskins, and their feet show through the rents in their sandals. They weep for the vast fields upon whose grassy knolls they were wont to draw breath in pauses of battle. They weep for the long ships whose prows forced away through the mountains of ice, and the skates wherewith they followed the orb of the poles, upbearing at the length of their mighty arms all the firmament that turned with them. A gust of frosty wind carries them off. Antony turns his eyes another way, and he perceives, outlined in black against a red background, certain strange personages with chin-bands and gauntlets who throw balls at one another, leap over each other's heads, make grimaces, dance a frenzied dance. Hilarion. Those are the divinities of Etruria, the innumerable Azars. There is a Tages, by whom augury was invented. With one hand he seeks to augment the divisions of the sky. With the other he supports himself upon the earth. Let him sink therein. Northia gazes at the wall into which she drave nails to mark the number of the passing years. Its whole surface is now covered, and the period is accomplished. Like two travellers, overtaken by a storm, Castor and Pulatuk, trembling, seek to shelter themselves beneath the same mantle. Antony closes his eyes. Enough, enough! But with a mighty noise of wings, all the victories of the capital pass through the air, hiding their faces with their hands, dropping the trophies hanging upon their arms. Janus, lord of crepuscules, flees upon a black ram, and one of his two faces is already putrefied. The other slumbers with fatigue. Sormanus, the headless god of the dark heavens, presses against his heart an odd cake, shaped like a wheel. Vesta, beneath a ruined cupola, tries to relight her extinguished lamp. Bologna gashes her cheeks, without being able to make that blood flow 
by which her devotees were purified. Antony, mercy, they weary me. Hilarion, before they amused thee. And he shows him in a grove of bean-trees, a woman naked, and a black man holding in each hand a torch. It is the goddess of Aresia, with the demon Verbius. Her sacerdote, the king of the grove, had to be an assassin, and the fugitive slaves, the despoilers of corpses, the brigands of the Via Solari, the cripples of the Pond Sublicius, all the human vermin of the Sabura, worship no deities so fervently. In the time of Marcus Antonius, the patrician women preferred Libertina, and he shows him, under the shadow of cypresses and rose-trees, another woman clad in gauze. Around her lie spades, litters, black hangings, all the paraphernalia of funerals. She smiles, her diamonds shine afar off through spiders' webs. The larvae, like skeletons, show their bones through the branches, and the lemures, who are phantoms, extend their butt-like wings. At the end of a field lies the god Terminus, uprooted and covered with ordures. In the centre of a furrow, the great corpse of Vertumnus is being devoured by red dogs. The rustic deities all depart, weeping. Sartor, Sarator, Vervactor, Colina, Valona, Hostilinus, all wearing little hooded mantles, and carrying either a hoe, a pitchfork, a hurdle, or a boar-spear. Hilarion. Their spirits made prosperous the villa, with its dovecots, its parks of dormice, its poultry-yards protected by nets, its warm stables fragrant with odours of cedar. Also, they protected all the wretched population who dragged the irons upon their legs over the flinty ways of the Sabine country, those who called the swine together by sound of horn, those who were wont to gather the bunches at the very summits of the elms, those who drove the asses laden with manure over the winding bypaths, the panting labourer leaning over the handle of his plough prayed them to give strength to his arms and under the shade of the lindens beside calabashes filled with milk the cowherds were wont in turn to sound their praises upon flutes of reed antony sighs and in the centre of a chamber upon a lofty estrade an ivory bed is visible surrounded by persons bearing torches of pine those are the deities of marriage they await the coming of the bride domiduca should lead her in virgo unfasten her girdle sabigo place her in the bed and praima open her arms and whisper sweet words into her ear 
but you will not come. And they dismiss the others, Nona and Decima, who watch by sick beds, the three Nixii, who preside over childbirth, the two nurses, Educar and Botina, and Kana, guardian of the cradle, whose bouquet of hawthorn keeps evil dreams from the child. Afterwards, Osipago should strengthen his knees, Barbatus give him his first beard, Stimula inspire his first desires, Volupia grant him his first enjoyment, Fabulimus should have taught him to speak, Numera to count, Camoina to sing, Consus to reflect. This chamber is empty, and there remains only the centenarian, Nynia, beside the bed, muttering to herself the dirge she was wont to howl at the funerals of aged men. But her voice is soon drowned by sharp cries. These are uttered by the lares domestici, crouching at the further end of the atrium, clad in dogskins, with flowers wreathed about their bodies, pressing their clenched hands against their cheeks, and weeping as loudly as they can. Where is the portion of food we received at each repast? The kindly care of the maid-servant, the smile of the matron, the merriment of the little boys playing at knuckle-bones on the mosaic pavement of the courtyard. When grown up, they used to hang about our necks their boule of gold or leather. What happiness it was when, on the evening of a triumph, the master, entering, turned his humid eyes upon us. He would recount his combats, and the little house would be prouder than a palace, sacred as a temple. How sweet were the family repasts, above all on the morrow of the feralia. Tenderness for the dead appeased all discords, all kissed each other, while drinking to the glories of the past and the hopes of the future. But the ancestors of painted wax, locked up behind us, are slowly becoming covered with mould. The new races, visiting their own deceptions upon us, have shattered our jaws. Our wooden bodies are disappearing piecemeal under the teeth of rats. And the innumerable gods, watching over doors, kitchens, cellars, baths, disperse in every direction under the form of enormous ants running over the pavement, or great butterflies soaring away. Then a roll of thunder is heard a voice i was the god of armies the lord the lord god i pitched the tents of jacob on the hills and in the midst of the sands i nourished my chosen people in their flight it was i who consumed the city of sodom with fire it was i who overwhelmed the world with the waters of the deluge it was I that drowned Pharaoh, with all the princes, sons of kings, making the sea to swallow up his chariots of war and his charioteers. I, the jealous god, 
held all other gods in abomination i braved the impure in my anger the mighty i cast down and swiftly the desolation of my wrath ran to the right and to the left like a dromedary loosened in a field of maize i chose the humble to deliver israel angels flame-winged spake to them from out the bushes perfumed with spikenard with cinnamon and myrrh clad in transparent robes and shod with high-heeled sandals women of valiant heart went forth to slay captains the passing wind carried my prophets with it my law i graved upon tables of stone within that law my people were enclosed as within a strong citadel they were my people i was their god the land was mine the men also belonged to me together with their every thought and all their works and the tools they wrought with and their prosperity my ark reposed within a triple sanctuary surrounded by curtains of purple and lighted candelabra i had a whole tribe to serve me as servants swinging censers and the high priest robed in robes of hyacinth wore upon his breast precious stones disposed in symmetrical order woe woe the holy of holies is open the veil is rent the perfumes of the holocaust are dissipated by all the winds of heaven the jackal whines in the sepulchres my temple is destroyed my people dispersed the priests have been strangled with the girdles of their robes the women languish in captivity the holy vessels have all been melted the voice becoming more distant i was the god of armies the lord the lord god an enormous silence follows and deepest night antony all have passed away some one replies i remain and hilarion stands before him but transfigured holy beautiful as an archangel luminous as a sun and so lofty that in order to behold his face antony is compelled to throw back his head to look up as though gazing at a star who art thou hilarion my kingdom is vast as the universe and my desire knows no limits i go on for ever freeing minds weighing worlds without hatred without fear without pity without love and without god men call me science antony recoiling from him say rather that thou art the devil hilarion fixing his eyes upon him wouldst thou behold him antony cannot detach his eyes from that mighty gaze the curiosity of the devil comes upon him his terror augments 
yet his wish grows even to boundlessness yet if i should see him if i were to see him then in a sudden spasm of wrath the horror that i have of him will free me from his presence for ever yes a cloven foot appears antony regrets his wish but the devil flings him upon his horns and bears him away End of chapter 11